If you've ever listened to an audio version of the Bible, chances are it was the captivating voice of an actor, Max McLean, reading to you. And that's exactly who you'll be hearing from in a few minutes on this episode of the Great Stories Podcast. I'm Charles Morris, and I want you to hear from Max in just a moment about his newest project portraying C.S. Lewis as he recounts his complicated conversion story. It's a movie called The Most Reluctant Convert. If you want to see a trailer for the movie or get your own copy, you can do that anytime at haventoday.org. But for now, I want us to just sit back or keep driving or jogging or doing the dishes or whatever you do when listening to podcasts and listen to the conversation I recently had with Max McLean about the story behind the movie and how they shot it during the height of the pandemic and how it's now touching countless lives around the world. And so without further ado, let's meet up with Max McLean. This is Haven Today from the West Coast of North America. We're going to go to the East Coast. We don't typically go to Manhattan, but in New York City. Uh, on with us is a friend of mine. I haven't seen him for several years, Max McLean. Max, welcome to Haven Today, I think, for the very first time. I think so, Charles. It's, it's a delight to be on the program with you. The last time we saw each other was in Southern California, and we're having you on today because you, for many, many years, have been an actor. You finally decided to make a movie. I couldn't believe it. And then when my wife and I saw the movie, I still couldn't believe it because it was remarkably good, Max. So (laughs) You were surprised. (laughs) (laughs) We won't have to go down that road very far, Max. Don't worry about that. I, uh, I, I want us to talk about the most reluctant convert, and it's the untold story of C.S. Lewis. Uh, you've been doing C.S. Lewis things for a long time now. Yes. Uh, how did you first get interested in Clive Staple Lewis? Well, when I converted to Christ in my 20s, uh, the only Christian material I'd read was the New Testament and uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky's The Brothers Karamazov. Mm-hmm. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, who was very instrumental in coming, uh, leading me to the Lord and later became my wife, gave me a copy of uh, Surprised by Joy, uh, the spiritual bio- autobiography of C.S. Lewis. And I read it, and I don't think I understood a word of it. It went by me like a mm-hmm. freight train. Mm-hmm. So uh, then she gave me another book, The Screwtape Letters. Mm-hmm. And boy, from chapter, from letter one, about the man in the British Museum, I was hooked because he gave me a picture of spiritual warfare that I had never had before. Um, and so that was my initial introduction to C.S. Lewis. And then uh, about 20 years later, maybe yeah, about 20, 25 years later, uh, a theater professor at Drew University was aware of my, uh, my work in theater, Christian work in theater. I, I think he'd seen a, a, a Bible program that we had done, I think from the book of Genesis. And uh, he wrote me an email saying, suggesting that we do, uh, I'd make a really good screw tape. And and I don't know if that was a compliment or not, but uh, yeah. But he had an idea how to do it. And I was intrigued because the material was very, uh, you know, I was always really impressed by it. 
Sure. And he had an idea how to do it. And I said, well, if we can get the rights from C.S. Lewis state, we would have a go of it. And that was probably around 2005, 2004, okay. somewhere there. Okay. And so for the past 15, 18 years, I've, I've devoted uh, much of my uh, right, life to, produ- to adapting and writing and producing C.S. Lewis works, Screw Tape Letters, Great Divorce, the most reluctant convert, and I just finished the fourth one called "Further Up, Further In." Mm. So, tell me, tell me this, Max. What was it about C.S. Lewis that drew you to him? I suppose it's just the quality of his thinking, the uh, the consolation of ideas. You just don't get to the bottom of him. He uh, he provides a clarity of thought that uh, is rational but beyond rationality. I mean, it's rationality into super rationality uh, that uh, makes you hunger to know the Lord. Uh, in terms of his own life, he, uh, he read everything from the Greeks to the moderns. He had a steel trap mind that mm-hmm. could translate almost anything. He, I mean, that, that he could capture everything. And then he, he had this magnificent ability to, to, uh, to translate everything he read into magnificent prose and speech. And he did all of this under the headship of Jesus Christ. Wow. Uh, and, you know, we all need spiritual guides, and uh, he has become mine. Wow. It, 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 it did, is it true that he could actually remember everything he ever read? There was some story in some letter once yeah, about that, was, I think. Uh, uh, one of his students... Uh, tells the story about uh, he had uh, like 40 shelves in his uh, his study and said, uh, pick a number between one and 40. He picked, you know, 25. Go to the 25th shelf. There's 40 books on the shelf, on each shelf. Pick a number between one and 40. Pick the 15th. Uh, pick a, a number between one and 100. Uh, he picked out that book. Pick a, uh, th- with that book, pick a number between one and 100. And uh, 86 is turned to the 86 page, start reading. And Lewis would, uh, he would start and then Lewis would finish the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that gives me and, great and, admiration for yeah, anybody. And that story, that that story that. was told by Kenneth Tynan, who was uh, a literary, uh, was a great literary critic uh, in London, uh, was one of Lewis's students, not a Christian, but he had tremendous admiration for him. Well, two things. I want us to get into talking about the movie, and then we'll mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about C.S. Lewis, who you've been mm-hmm. studying yourself for so many years, besides portraying. This is a different approach to making a movie. And as I saw it with my wife, mm-hmm. um, what struck me was this is a movie about an intellectual who was most unlikely to meet Jesus, did meet Jesus. And this is the story of a conversion that a lot of people in our world, especially today, need to see. So let's talk about the movie. Um, you had a great director. Uh, it's it's a different style from most movies. Can you kind of explain that to our listeners who haven't seen it yet sure. and need to? Yeah, it's uh, the name of the movie is called The Most Reluctant Convert. Uh, it's uh, it's an origin story about how the most who I think the most influential Christian writer of the past hundred years 
And uh, the film is told by an older Lewis coming alive in his memories to tell of his conversion from being a hard-boiled atheist to first of all, belief in God as a theist and then finally to belief in Jesus Christ. And you're uh, playing the older Lewis. I play the older Lewis. There's, uh, there's Lewis as a boy played by Eddie Ray Martin. And then Lewis is a young man played by Nicholas Ralph, who uh, also stars <laughs> as uh, uh, James Harriet in All Creatures Great and Small. The brand new series that just started out and it's going to be getting a season three and four. And yeah, my wife picked up on that immediately. So, so, but yet you, as the older Lewis, uh, you're showing up all the way through with the child Lewis and the young man Lewis. You are still showing up kind of there as, as, uh, uh, Nicholas Ralph uh, from All Creatures Great and Small fame now put it, he's always looking over my shoulder. <laughs> and there you were, Max. Yeah, that <laughs> that's funny, that that's an moment. unusual technique, isn't it, for a movie? It really was an unusual technique, but it was, uh, it was Norman Stone's vision. Uh, he, you know, uh, Norman has been a filmmaker for 40 years. He actually was originated the original Shadowlands, with Claire Bloom and James, Josh Auckland that was later picked up as a Hollywood movie with Anthony Hopkins and Deborah Winger many years later. Um, he's won many uh, Emmy Awards uh, and uh, uh, BAFTA Awards, which is a British, a British equivalent of, of the Oscar. Um, and uh, what we wanted to do was, was capture Lewis's journey from hard-boiled atheist, vigorous debunker of Christianity, yes. uh, you know, his... He had uh, he had the rhetorical gifts of somebody like uh, Christopher Hitchens, um, and could have been like him if the Lord hadn't uh, gotten hold of him. Uh, but you know his life was uh, his atheism came you know as as a result of he lost his mother to cancer when he was a boy. He had an estranged relationship with his father that grew mm. worse as his mother died. Mm. He experienced the senseless brutality of trench warfare in World War One. And uh, through that, he came to the conclusion that either there was no God behind the universe, a God indifferent to good and evil, or worse, an evil God. So, if you ask me to believe all this I've just described as the work of an omnipotent, benevolent God, I would have laughed and said the evidence points in the opposite direction. Either there's no God behind the universe, a God indifferent to good and evil, or worse, an evil God. Never dreamed of raising the question if the universe is so bad, or even half so bad, how on earth did humans ever come to attribute it to the work of a wise and good creator? Oh, men are fools, but not so foolish as that, the direct inference from black to white, from evil flower to virtuous root, from senseless work to a workman infinitely wise? Stacker's belief. No, I did not believe God existed. I was angry at God for not existing. Why should creatures have the burden of existence forced upon them without their consent? And that was the starting point for uh, his, the, the, the starting point from his uh, hard-boiled atheist to his conversion. It took many years, uh, primarily through the witness of his friends. J.R.R. Tolkien was one, Owen Barfield was another, Hugo Dyson, all three are cast in the movie. Um, and, uh, 
And, you know, Lewis himself explains it later that uh, what they pointed out to him was that his argument against God was that the universe was so cruel and unjust. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. where did he get this notion of cruel and unjust? He, you know, you call a line crooked because you have some idea of a straight line. Well, what am I comparing the universe with when I call it cruel and unjust? Mm-hmm. And so that was a big step towards seeking God. And, and, if, and, and he, uh, in the movie and in the book, there is this movement towards what he calls theism, which you and I kind of think is pretty soft. But Lewis was... That was a big deal for was him to at least believe in God. Because he saw belief in God uh, like Moses at the burning bush. Yeah. Uh, that I am that I am. And he, he finally, he said, you must picture me alone in my room night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted, even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that got him to God. And, and yet that's when his real conversion came. He couldn't quite understand where Christ fit, uh, fit in. And that came later, primarily through uh, conversations with J.R.R. Tolkien, with his with his friend, is or yeah. friends plural. That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. For those who have not read a lot of C.S. Lewis, although we've had a lot about C.S. Lewis on this program, um, give us the surprising little anecdote about the day when he finally knew he believed in the incarnation that Christ was his savior. This was after he believed in God. I don't know how many years. Tell it us was, the well, story. Supposedly, uh, 19, uh, he says in the Trinity term, 1929, I gave in and admitted that God is God. Nelton prayed perhaps that, that night, the most dejected, reluctant convert in all England. That was his belief in God, but not Christ. Christ. So yeah, tell us the, the unique story about he gets... On the motorcycle with his brother. <laughs> well, before before I get to the motorcycle, the important right. point the important point is that it was a conversation with J.R. Tolkien about uh, Lewis. You know what what Tolkien said that uh, that he he couldn't understand how the life and death of someone else could help him here and now, and uh, he had no belief in the incarnation. The God to whom he surrendered was not human. Of course, you know, Mm -hmm. Christ is the God-man. And uh, Tolkien helped him understand that in these pagan religions, and and Lewis loved mythology and the pagan stories, uh, and both Tolkien and and Lewis studied them. You know, they they saw great wisdom in them. And uh, uh, Tolkien pointed out to him that in these, uh, these pagan stories, there's this vague notion of a all over the world. This vague notion of a of a of a god who's killed, broken, come to life again. Balder, Osiris, Dionysus, all the myths, and becomes a savior. Sorry, and then and, he says, but then among these Jews, the thing really happened. Now he already believed. He said his religion was like the god of the Jews, you know, with this theism. Mm-hmm. But then he says, among these Jews, the thing really happened. The myth became fact. There came a man who claimed to be the son of the giver of the moral law, 
and the awful presence of top Sinai. Mm. He said, the claim is so shocking. And, you know, among these Jews, it was so shocking that we nowadays, we take it way too lightly. And, uh, and he said, either this man was a raving lunatic or else he wasn't is precisely who he said. And if you accept that he was not a lunatic, then all else said about him becomes credible that this man having been killed is yet alive. It has to be true. He has to be real. Yes. Yeah. That's where he finally, as he said, uh, he went on that motorcycle ride uh, because he'd been processing and what that conversation with Tolkien did, it made him read the scriptures differently, more uh, energetically looking at that story, not as a prescription of, you know, do this, do that, but of a, you know, the story of a great hero. Like the stories he he loved. So here he is with his retired military officer brother who owns a motorcycle with a sidecar. And he says, I remember very well. Let's go on a ride. (laughs) He says, this is the way he tells it. I remember very well when, but hardly how the final step was taken. I was being driven by my brother, Warney to Whipsnade Zoo in the sidecar of a motorcycle one sunny morning in the autumn of 1931. When we set out, I did not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. When we reached the zoo, I did. (laughs) (laughs) And he had not spent the journey in thought or great emotion. It was more like a man who, after a long sleep, had become aware he is now awake. It just dawned on him all of a sudden. All right. If you just joined us, you're listening to Haven Today. Max McLean is with (laughs) us. He is... uh, the person behind the movie, The Most Reluctant Convert, the untold story of C.S. Lewis. Bex, how did God finally break through to C.S. Lewis? Yeah, um, he finally gave in and admitted that God is God, and Elton prayed. Uh, he took a, an, a moral inventory of his life, he, uh, he said, uh, I looked at himself, and, and inside me was a zoo of lust, a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, a harem of fondled hatreds. My name is Legion. Mm. He saw that mm. inside himself when he finally took a look, because he was finally, he had a, a moral compass. You know, uh, he, he indicates that Bad people don't know what badness is because they have mm. no, they're not trying to be good. The only people, the only people that know how, how, how strong a temptation is, is by fighting it. Prior to his conversion, mm. he wasn't fighting anything. He said his, uh, uh, what he, he said, uh, his, uh, uh, he was as uh, as non-moral as a human creature could be of of chastity, truthfulness, self-sacrifice. Mm. He thought as a baboon thinks of classical music. Uh, <laughs> that was his background, and uh, and the Lord mm. uh, the Lord got a hold of him, converted him, mm. and changed him. Walter Hooper called him the most converted man he'd ever met. <laughs> mm. Oh, Max, uh, I'm thinking about a certain scene towards the end of the movie and you as Lewis are walking with J.R.R. Tolkien and it's actually your co-actor who's the young 
Lewis, who's portraying that at that point. Tell us about that scene. We're going to listen to it in a minute, but just tell us about that scene. Yeah, that uh, that's the, the scene on Addison's Walk is when uh, Lewis, who has converted to theism, uh, I have, uh, with considerable resistance, come to belief in God, Lewis says, but not... Christ. I simply do not understand how the life and death of someone else, whoever he was, 2,000 years ago could help us here and now. That's the that's in the scene. And then Tolkien talks to him and says, uh, uh, Jack, when you meet a God sacrificing himself in a pagan story, you like it very much and are mysteriously moved by it. And that's in the scene. And that's the scene where uh, there's a particular moment where the wind rushes because... <laughs> The, sort of the Holy Ghost at that the, moment. The spirit, yeah, the spirit uh, moves. Was, was there, it really moved him to begin to take Christ more seriously. And then a little bit later in the film, uh, he is uh, sitting down for dinner with uh, uh, J.R. Tolkien and, and uh, Hugo Dyson. And uh, uh, I think there was the two of them. And uh, they talk about the significance of Christ. And you can hear it in the in the clip you're going to play. Look, I may be prepared to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I simply cannot accept his claim to be God. Oh, come on, Jack. How, how could a mere man be called a great moral teacher and say the sort of things Jesus said? Such as? That he always existed. That you'll come again to judge the world? Such men are judged frauds. Lunatics. In spite of my resistance, they convince me that nothing else in all literature is just like the Gospels. Myths are like it in one way with its stories of the miraculous. History is like it in another with its attention to minute details. But nothing is simply like it. And no person is like the person depicted. I'm sure there are many people who believe themselves to be God. Our hospitals are full of them. Oh, come on, Jack, be serious. No great moral teacher has ever made that claim except Jesus, and you know it. Mm, and he went on and on and on. What do you mean? Well, claiming to forgive sins, and that he himself is the injured party in every transgression. Look, in anyone else, this would be thought silly. Suppose you told me that two of your colleagues had lost you a top professorship by telling lies about your character. Hmm? And, and I replied, freely forgive them both. Would you not think this sheer lunacy? It would be sheer lunacy. Yet, even those who opposed Jesus admitted that he expressed moral truth of depth and purity, full of wisdom and shrewdness. Wisdom and shrewdness. You make him sound like Solomon the Great. <laughs> On the contrary, history repeatedly calls him humble and meek. Not that you want to notice that, of course, Jack. Humility and meekness, the last things one would ascribe to someone who makes claims worthy of being a megalomaniac. <laughs> the most reluctant convert the untold story of c.s lewis you know why a movie and how's this movie done well obviously it, uh we did a movie because covid shut down our theater uh uh offerings um and we had been planning on moving into the film business to uh because the the reach for film is so significant um when this film aired, it opened in November 2021. It was supposed to be a one-night event. Uh, we were the number two movie in America uh, that night and the number one per screen average. 
Uh, the movie was extended multiple weeks. It ran for a month in all the movie theaters. Um, and uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks, it was uh, number four on Apple TV for independent films. Mm. And it reached as high as number 12 on Amazon DVD sales. So uh, there's a, uh, the, the, uh, the outreach for film is, first of all, it's global. Uh, this film has been seen in 130 different uh, countries. Uh, and by the way, the DVD has, is, uh, is subtitled in seven languages. Don't mm. ask me which ones they are. One of them <laughs> is English. <laughs> uh, German, Spanish, uh, French, uh, Chinese, Mandarin, wow. uh, Korean. Wow. I think the, uh, those are the ones. <laughs> so uh, I think the, the outreach for film is, uh, uh, is, is, is critical. And, and the, uh, the platforms available now digitally all over the world to mm. distribute films, it's, it's, uh, it's where the gospel should be. Hmm. Uh, let's get real here. There's a lot of people in our culture today that need to hear about the conversion of C.S. Lewis so that God can use Lewis's life to convert them and bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to let you preach now to me, Max. Just go 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 ahead. I I know this was your thinking and wanted to make this as a movie. And not just a stage show. Well, Lewis, as I mentioned, was probably the the greatest intellect uh, of the one of the greatest intellects of the twentieth century. And I mentioned earlier about you know how do you call a line crooked unless you have some idea of a straight line. Hmm. And uh, and what L Lewis was 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 trying to get to the world to understand was you know most people do not believe in God because of some level of the problem of suffering. And he said, and, and what, what was important to Lewis in his conversion, I think it's very important to other people, is that Christianity does not solve the problem of suffering. It creates it because pain was not a problem unless you have some expectation that ultimate reality is righteous and good. And of course, in our Savior, he went through all this pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. and, the, and, and what was really strong about Lewis is he always gave the alternative. And the materialist alternative, which is one Lewis believed, is that ultimate reality is, my, is the mindless result of physics and biochemistry. And if that's true, then our daily experience of evil and suffering, of injustice, of wickedness, of right and wrong, are simply the accidental results of atoms colliding in skulls. It's merely the cards were dealt. But with Christ, there's a reason for our suffering that, you know, and, 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 and that is what we turn to. So when we go to the cross, we, we have a savior that can make sense of our suffering. Uh, you know, one last point on this is that to make sense of the world, one must deal with the reality of our own pain. Pain is undeniably real. But if that's so, then the thing that overcomes pain is even more real. Hmm. And that's the essence of Christ and the essence of, of Christianity. Hmm. You did well, Reverend McLean. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Max, you've, you've 
said that C.S. Lewis was probably the greatest thinker, uh, Christian thinker in the last hundred years. I would say at least the greatest apologist of modern times. Is he still relevant today? Oh, I think so. I mean, uh, he's got my attention. You know, uh, I think uh, all told, uh, his publishers have sold a quarter of a billion books. Hmm. Uh, but what's really alarming about that number is most of those books have been uh, published and sold after his death. Mm. That doesn't happen very much. Mm. Um, that's a rare occurrence in publishing. Uh, and it's very likely that he sold more books this year than he did last year and will probably sell more books next year than he does this year. That's because... Uh, he captures people's imaginations. Mm. He, uh, that's where, you know, he, he, he says something that, that, uh, that has really struck me. He says, uh, the imagination is the organ of meaning. Reason is the organ of truth. And he makes a separation, he says, because unless an idea and this is really at the core of Lewis's writing. Unless an idea captures the imagination, it's not going to trigger the kind of, of impulses that is going to make you want to invest time and thought to figuring it out. Uh, you know, that's where the rationality comes in. That's where the deep, deep work comes in. So Lewis does both. He captures your imagination with his stories and his vivid illustrations and his magnificent use of language. And then he has the dialectic to rigorously support it and uh, defend it. Mm. Uh, and I think no one does it better, in my opinion. And that's why uh, people, both uh, people who believe in the Lord Jesus and those who are unbelievers still respect the, the quality of his, the, of his immense, uh, his learnedness. I mean, he was so known for how learned he was, even for those people who opposed him. And many people did oppose him. You know, yes. he was not, uh, uh, he had a lot of enemies at, at Oxford and Cambridge that, uh, that really thwarted his uh, academic career. Hmm. Uh, and they did not like the fact that uh, he was a Christian apologist. They thought that was beneath what a Oxford Don should be doing on the side. Uh, but Kept Lewis, him from getting a professorship at Oxford. It, yes, it did. It, that's right. Finally, only the end of his life at Cambridge, the last yeah, they, few years. He, and then what was interesting, as soon as he accepted the one at Cambridge, Oxford offered, uh, offered him one. But he did take but it he after take all it. that no, time. Because he was a man of his word. Yeah. yeah. Max, let's, let's, I love stories. And I'm a storyteller. I can't tell jokes, but I love to tell stories. C.S. Lewis was so rational, uh, so much a person of re reason, uh, his tutor before he got to Oxford, Knock, the famous Knock. Uh, Patrick, yeah, the great Knock, yeah. 
taught him, taught him logic. And yet he used stories, especially in his fiction. But he could tell stories. He might have been an Oxford Don, but he was also a storyteller. Uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, how well, he used he was stories. So, you know, his reading was vast, and he loved, he loved mythology. He loved ancient stories. He read everything from the Greeks to the moderns. Um, he was, his, his imagination was, quote, baptized after reading George MacDonald. So much of his fantasy literature was modeled after the work of George MacDonald. He was also a tremendous admirer of G.K. Chesterton, even before he was a Christian. He said he liked him for his goodness. Hmm. <laughs> uh, hmm. He said he did not, he couldn't understand how he conquered him. He said he, he liked his, he liked his, uh, his uh, humor. He liked that. But, uh, and, and that sort of uh, trickled into Lewis's writings. Um, I would say that uh, his imaginative literature was modeled after MacDonald hmm. and his apolog apologetic literature was modeled mostly after G.K. Chesterton. And both of those men were Christians. Yes, they were. Very strong Christians. And before Lewis became a Christian, that bothered him a lot, didn't it? Yeah, it did. He said all his books were turning against him <laughs> uh, because he, he, you know, and then he, he, he compared that because he said uh, uh, George MacDonald had done more to me than any other writer. Of course, he had that be in his bonnet about Christianity. He was good in spite of it. Spencer, Milton, Dante had it too. Chesterton was the most sensible man alive apart from his Christianity. Mm. Uh, and, and But it, then he talks about the writers that he should be uh, uh, liking and supporting, Shaw, Wells, Gibbon, Voltaire, he called them tinny. Mm. Uh, they were all entertaining, he said, but they did not have the roughness and density of life. Mm. Um, mm. But he still couldn't, you know, he, he still couldn't come to terms with uh, uh, the reality of Christ. Part of that was he recognized that he needed to repent. And uh, he said he wanted to be left alone. Keep out private. This is my business. Uh, but that's when he finally gave in. He, he understood the cost of, of following Christ. Hmm. You've done this movie, The Most Reluctant Convert. Lead us in prayer, please, right now. Lord, uh, thank you for the opportunity to make this movie. Thank you for loving us, for forgiving us, for sending your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we do ask that you use this movie and this program, this interview with Charles and on Haven uh, for your glory and for our good. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. This has been a delight. Thank you so much for joining me. We're going to tell people how they can get a copy of the movie from us and help Haven Ministries out a little bit. But uh, it's just been a delight to be with you again, Max. It's been too many years. Thank you for making this movie. And uh, may it just be used by the Lord in many ways to, to bolster faith and to bring people to faith too. Thank you Thank for you. joining me. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Great Stories with Charles Morris. 
And I'm so grateful for Max McLean for speaking with us. It's been many years since he and I were together in Southern California. I even gave him a ride to his mom's house one day. So it was quite a delight to catch up with him via Zoom. I want to quickly mention that if you would like to learn more about this movie on C.S. Lewis and his reluctant yet genuine conversion to faith in Jesus Christ, you can find the trailer and the DVD at haventoday.org. And then, if you want to hear more conversations like this, why don't you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts? And if you enjoyed this episode, why not help us out? Help us get the word out by leaving a five-star review. You can also visit haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and find more episodes posted on the blog. And as always, thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris. Charles Morris.